0: Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I want to talk today about Halloween. Yes, Halloween. I want to talk about this holiday, which has become such an important fixture in the fall every year here in American culture. I want to talk first of all on the podcast about maybe the popularity of Halloween and uh, some reasons for that. And then I want to talk about some ministry responses we can make in the context of this holiday event. Halloween has become a very significant holiday, particularly economically in our country. I was surprised when I saw my first Halloween commercial on the day after Labor Day. Now think about that. The day after Labor Day, six, seven, eight weeks away is Halloween, I saw my first commercial advertising Halloween products. Now, that's just a tip of the iceberg of the evidence of the economic impact this holiday is having these days. According to the National Retail Federation, Americans spent $10 billion on Halloween in 2020. $10 billion. That's a lot of money. Now, some people have actually claimed that Halloween is the second most commercialized or the second most expensive holiday in the country uh, after Christmas. But actually, that's really not true. According to a study published by the University of California Press, Halloween is not the second most lucrative, if you will, holiday. It actually trails Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, Father's Day, and even the Super Bowl in annual consumer purchasing related to the holiday. So it's, it's not at the top of the list. But it is the fastest growing holiday in terms of consumer purchasing in America today. In fact, Halloween spending has increased by more than 55% just in the last 10 years. So Halloween is a very lucrative holiday. Commercials start right after Labor Day. Money being spent on everything from parties to costumes to candies. Oh, and by the way, the top three costumes for children, Spider-Man, any princess, and Batman. And the top three costumes for adults, a witch, a vampire, and a ghost. Well, the economic impact of Halloween is significant. It also shows up in other places in our culture, like the theme parks, for example, here in Southern California. All of the theme parks here in our area do some kind of special event uh, around Halloween, usually lasting for several weeks, where they theme the theme park, if you will, uh, related to fright or fear or scary or something like that. So the economic impact extends even to that area of entertainment. And then, of course... It's during the Halloween season that we have a lot of new horror movies that are released every year. Now, I ought to do a whole podcast on the horror movie phenomena sometime and how churches can respond to that. But for today, let me just say that horror movies are uh, a very growing and very stable part of uh, cinematic production. Uh, I've read different studies about this, but they're typically not very expensive to make so they don't have to have a great deal of uh, revenue in order to make a profit, so studios really like them. But beyond the economic uh, benefit of making them, they also are appealing to something that's going on in our culture, which causes people to want to be terrified and to pay money for the experience. So during the Halloween season, a lot of new horror movies are typically released, and old standbys in the genre are also uh, re So, the popularity of Halloween, you see it. You see it in its economic impact. You see it in the advertising associated with it. You see it in things like theme parks and other places, assuming that as an identity for several weeks. You see it in things like horror movies and other things. And you even see it affecting uh, corporate or business culture. Uh, I recently, uh, on a Halloween a year or two ago, uh, went into a bank. And everyone in the bank was dressed up in a Halloween costume. And I found that so interesting that a bank of all places would be participating in this particular holiday. Well, that leads me to ask some questions. Why is Halloween so popular? Do you know there's actually been research done on this? And uh, I'm not going to go into the details of the studies, but I've looked at several of them in preparing for this podcast and There are several reasons for the popularity. I'll just narrow it down to three. Number one, Halloween is popular because it's the primary holiday with no religious or patriotic connection. Now, that's interesting. When you think about the rest of our holidays that we observe annually, especially the legal holidays in the United States, they're mostly either patriotic or national or somehow spiritual or religious. But Halloween really isn't any of that. At least on the surface, it's simply a primary holiday which doesn't have any of these other attachments uh, flavoring or tilting its celebration. Uh, another reason for the popularity of Hall- Halloween is it's a, the primary holiday, maybe the only holiday, designed to allow you to release and even reward antisocial behavior. Or as one commentator said, people love Halloween because it's their opportunity to be bad. Now, I don't know how bad people actually have to behave on Halloween, but I do get the idea from an incident that happened to me a number of years ago while I was still in seminary working my way through. This is a number of years ago. But there was a Christian couple that had a very nice home, and uh, he had a very good position. She was active in the church along with her family, you know, the kind of people I'm describing. They hired us, a seminary crew, to do some work in their home, and it came to be Halloween. And that night, they went to a Halloween party, and they went in costume, and I was, quite frankly, shocked at what this woman was wearing. Now, it wasn't appropriate for me at that point to say anything about it, but I remember thinking that person would never in a million years dress like that on any other day of the year. But on Halloween, it's the day you can be bad. And by her dress and by what she was trying to communicate, by what she was wearing, it was obvious she was trying to celebrate sort of an alter ego experience uh, at that party that day. Here's another reason why Halloween's so popular. It's a a lot of nostalgia among a generation maybe like mine that's trying to reclaim its childhood or its childhood activities. Now, when I was a child, Halloween was basically a kid's event, and you went to Halloween parties and Halloween carnivals, and you went out trick-or-treating, and really everyone did it because it was a safe kind of an activity for kids to do in the early evenings, I participated, and I have fond memories of that. And so part of why Halloween today is so popular is because old guys like me are trying to replicate some of the experiences of their childhood so their children and now grandchildren can have those same kind of experiences. Well, enough about the background. I've tried to lay out for you just a snapshot of the popularity of Halloween and some of the reasons why it's so significant. But now let's move into more of the purpose of the podcast and talk about a practical ministry response or a practical ministry perspective on this growing uh, holiday experience called Halloween. Now, the first thing I'd like to address in this part of the podcast is some reasons that I have concern about Halloween and the growing emphasis upon it as a holiday to celebrate even among Christians. The first reason is, is because so much of what's associated with Halloween is designed to stir up fear. You know, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So why are we trying to stir one up? That's my question. So I have always had some concerns about celebrating Halloween because of the aspects of it which are designed to stir something within us that God says he never put there in the first place, stirring up a spirit of fear. That's my first concern about Halloween. My second is Halloween is an opportunity to celebrate evil. It's an opportunity to celebrate uh, blood and gore and violence and terror and abuse and pain. It's an opportunity to celebrate evil. Now, this is one of the warnings that the Bible has for us uh, in a number of passages. The Bible warns that As we draw closer and closer to the end of time, the last days, some folks like to call it, as we draw closer and closer to the end of time, as we enter the last days, one of the qualities or characteristics of the world we'll be living in is the celebration of evil and calling it good. Halloween seems to me to be an opportunity to do just that. And tying back into that idea that I mentioned earlier that one of the reasons for the popularity of Halloween is it's an excuse to be bad, it seems to me that when we celebrate evil or when we celebrate lifestyle choices or activities that are destructive and to be avoided the other 364 days out of the year, that we're actually involving ourselves in something that's unhealthy in the least, maybe even uh, damaging in the worst. So, I have concerns about Halloween because it stirs up fear and it celebrates evil. And then a third concern is, I believe that things like, uh, that uh, celebrations and activities like this can connect us to or open us up to the demonic in ways that uh, are really inappropriate and unseemly for Christians. Now, again, on the podcast today, there's no time for a long uh, Bible study on demons or the demonic or anything like that, but it's my perspective that these uh, these things are real. Demons are real. Uh, the demonic world is real, and it is working hard to try to bring about evil influences in the lives of believers. And I'm just concerned that when we open ourselves up to uh, uh, various kinds of entertainment, at least what we call entertainment, that we might find ourselves connecting to things that are darker than we ever imagined. So I have these reasons for concern. Halloween stirs up fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Therefore, why would we spend time trying to stir one up? It celebrates evil. It exonerates, celebrates, lifts up, enjoys things which we would find abhorrent any other time of the year. And I'm really concerned because I do think it opens up channels of connection to demons and the demonic, to the most evil aspects of life, and that is alarming to me. Now, having sort of laid out on the podcast today something of the impact of Halloween in our culture and some concerns I have about it, now let's turn to the last point and talk about some options for churches and for Christians in dealing with or interfacing with or handling, if you will, Halloween. I think there are basically about five different ways that you could respond. And before I go into these five, let me say that There's probably, among the people who are listening to this podcast today, quite a bit of variety of how you'll feel about these different ways of responding. That's okay. This is one of those areas that uh, there simply isn't a black-and-white, cut-and-dried, quotable verse that gives us the final and ultimate answer on what to do about these issues related to Halloween. So I want us to all give each other some room to maneuver and have some grace extended to each other on these issues, but I also want us to feel free to hold to some convictions about these things and do what we really think is right without fear of what others might think about us. So with that in mind, let's talk about some options for churches and Christians in responding to or dealing with or handling this growing phenomenon called Halloween in our culture. The first option is to attack it. Attack it. Preach sermons against it. Lead Bible studies against it. Put up signs opposing it. Uh, Criticize uh, people who participate in Halloween on social media in various other kinds of formats. Make it clearly known that you are attacking and opposing Halloween, and any observance of it in any capacity by any believer. Now, attacking it, I also think, brings with it some baggage that may be, may be uh, something you don't want to have to deal with in your ministry context. What I mean is when you attack something like Halloween, you can come across as being narrow-minded, legalistic, fundamentalistic, you can come across as being so mean-spirited as to not be able to enjoy something that many people might perceive as sort of a harmless part of the culture. So if you're going to attack Halloween, I would just implore you to do it in a measured way without a lot of emotion or overstatement or with any kind of personal nature to your attack. And try, if you can, to Avoid some of these concerns of legalism and narrowness and even uh, fundamentalism about these issues. To put it in a phrase, don't, don't degenerate into an old man yelling, Get off my yard, when it comes to Halloween. So if you decide that your approach to Halloween is to attack it, do it in the healthiest, most measured, most direct way possible. Avoid unnecessary and outlandish and outrageous statements and try to have your opposition in proportion to the reality of the problem at hand, recognizing that if you go overboard in opposing something like this, the negative perception of what that may do to you and to your ministry may exceed any gain you might have achieved by attacking this this, uh, holiday. A second option is to ignore it. Just pretend it isn't happening. Uh, just let it go by and don't have anything to do with it. Well, you might be able to do that, but it's going to be very challenging to just ignore Halloween. It, it just isn't going to go away. People around you are going to be participating in it, and the fact that you're ignoring it may bring more... Um, attention to you than you would have had if you had participated in a token way in the experience. So attack, that's one option. Ignore, that's a second option. But remember, if you ignore it, you may find yourself uh, struggling to do so because of how everyone around you is participating. Now, number three, a third way that you can respond as a church or a Christian to Halloween is to use it, to capitalize upon it. Now, what I mean by this is that you actually tap into the things that are distinctive about Halloween, horror, terror, fear, that you tap into those and try to maximize those in some way to communicate a Christian message. So, for example, one way that churches have done this is hosting something called Judgment House or something similar to that, where you set up a series of experiences that are designed to bring people face-to-face with the realities of judgment and of what that's going to mean and of their need for repentance and faith in Jesus before judgment falls upon them. Another way of using Halloween is to design messages that are shaped around those same themes of death and dying and torture and judgment and pain. So you could preach uh, or teach a series on hell or on judgment or on the coming uh, um, uh, uh, second coming of Jesus and the cataclysmic world ending that's going to accompany that. You could use the Halloween season to capitalize on these issues like fear and other issues that really tap into uh, the themes of Halloween and try to use those or capitalize on those by t- tapping into biblical themes that have a connection uh, and using those during the this particular season of the year. Well, a fourth way that you can respond to Halloween is to accommodate it. To accommodate it. Now, this means that you would do some of the same things that other people do around Halloween, but that you would do them in a way that would be a healthy expression for a Christian. Like, for example, you might have a costume party, uh, but have it be positive costumes or biblical costumes. You allow people to dress up in whatever way they want, but no witches, no vampires, no demons, no devils, those kinds of things. So you accommodate Halloween by having a positive expression or a positive twist, if you will, on the idea. Everyone wants to wear a costume? Sure, wear good costumes. Everyone wants to celebrate uh, being together? Well, let's do that in a more positive kind of light, Uh, that kind of thing. Uh, Another aspect of accommodating Halloween, especially if Halloween falls on a service day in your church, is to have some kind of alternative service that recognizes and focuses on the aspects of Halloween, like uh, it also being Reformation Day or it's being on All Hallows' Eve, that it has some kind of religious connection that you can make and you can accommodate the day by having these alternative services or alternative recognitions that go along with the same themes and ideas and dates, but with a very different perspective. So I've given you four options. You can attack it. You can ignore it, you can use it, or you can accommodate it. Now, the fifth option is you can redefine it. Now, by redefine, I mean that you, during the Halloween season, simply say, we're going to have a season of festivities, but we're going to redefine those in completely different ways so that they really have nothing to do with the celebration of Halloween and anything that's associated with that, but instead are redefined into something else entirely. For example, you have a harvest party at your church or with your youth group, and you focus instead of on Halloween, you focus on harvest, and you focus on God's goodness, God's blessings, God's provision, and all that he's done for us and what that means for us. You could also do something like trunk or treat, which is a very popular thing people do. And that is, rather than have some kind of Halloween celebration, uh, they set up in their church parking lot, and they have everyone open the trunk of their cars, and they have treats and activities and games, and children and teenagers are invited to come to the church, come to the event, and celebrate different kind of festivities that center around candy and food and games, but really have no reference or little reference to Halloween optional costumes. They aren't required. <clears throat> you certainly don't turn away anyone at the door who might be wearing one, but that's really not the focus of it when you're trying to redefine it because you're redefining it as a celebration, a time to get together and enjoy fellowship, a time of activity and, and of, of, of even maybe eating together, but you're not really connecting it to the Halloween day or the Halloween experience. So five different options of how you can respond as a ministry leader, either leading your church or individually, to the issue, to the experience, to the phenomenon known as Halloween. You can, you can attack it, you can ignore it, you can use it, you can accommodate it, or you can redefine it. Now, from my perspective, and I emphasize from just my perspective, I think that you'll find your best response by one of the last two options. Either accommodate it or redefine it or in some way combine both of those into a suitable Halloween experience. I think if you attack it, you, fun, you run the risk of being accused of being against things out of proportion to the true impact or damage they could be doing in your community. In other words, there are so many other, much more significant problems. Do you really want to burn up all all your emotional and relational capital attacking Halloween? And in terms of ignoring it, I'm not sure how that can even be done in our culture these days. And using it, yes, I've seen that done well, and it can be done effectively. But I still think that your best response is, are to accommodate and redefine. To find a way to accommodate what's happening in the culture, but redefine it in a way which eliminates some of the more offensive aspects of the Halloween experience for believers, and to capitalize on the positive aspects of being together, celebrating community, enjoying activity, and being uh, unique in how we do that together so that we are accommodating and redefining rather than simply copying or going along with what's happening in the culture. Well, it's always a challenge to know how to interface with holidays in ministry contexts. On the fourth of July, you have the temptation, or the, the, the you run the risk of becoming too nationalistic and inappropriately emphasizing our country. With other holidays like Christmas, you have the temptation to find yourself overly spiritualizing it and not really understanding the full impact of the story in terms of the reality of what it means in the lives of people. Every holiday, religious or national has some baggage attached with it in terms of how it affects us in our culture and how we observe them in our culture. Halloween's no different. This experience of Halloween is a growing phenomenon. It has tremendous retail impact. It definitely can have negative overtones. But in the context of all of that, as a ministry leader, you got to find a way to move forward. I've given you five options on how to respond on this particular holiday experience, and I want you to think those through, work on them carefully, and then craft the best response possible in your community to being able to be a part of the community and its observances without being subsumed by them and having our message lost in the midst of them. These are always challenging decisions of how to interface with holidays, both secular and religious, and how to recognize them, incorporate them, attack them, ignore them, accommodate them, redefine them, whatever you're going to do in your ministry setting. But it's part of the leadership challenge today. As we consider the options, make good choices, respond in the context of holidays that are a part of our culture's experience, and particularly with Halloween, making a good decision of how to make it part of. The ministry community Where you lead Think it through Make some choices Use it for the best way possible To advance God's kingdom And your mission In the context of that kingdom Do it well As you lead on